When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry alongside my partner, Austin Huff. You can find us both on Twitter. I am at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Austin Huff. We are the Tighten Up Podcast. Go give the podcast a follow. We're on Instagram and Twitter. We'll start with Instagram, at Tighten Up Podcast is our handle. On Twitter, you can find us at Tighten Up Pod. And you guys know this because we tell it to you every week. We are under the A to Z Sports umbrella. Guys, give them a follow on all social media platforms at A to Z Sports. They've got the Titans coming up on the playoffs again. Uh, Vols and Vandy, both interesting spots with coaches. Vandy just hired one. Will the Vols fire Pruitt? Stay tuned. Uh, Pred season's right around the corner, as is the Grizzlies. Go give them a follow. Keep up with all your Tennessee sports through A to Z Sports. This is Sode number 41, the carry uh, Blazing game, Kari Blazing game. Hey, there's a van. Kari. Oh gosh. Oh geez. Here I am to hosting a Titans podcast, and I just mispronounced his name. Uh, Kari Blazing game. Uh, but I'm actually, actually, and look, no disrespect to Kari, great fullback. I'm giving it to another fullback. This this week's so is the Lorenzo Neal of Ooh, so. Yeah, it has to be, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, the dude helped Eddie George run for more than thirteen hundred yards in ninety nine, and then for fifteen hundred yards in uh, two thousand, and most notably, fielded the kick that is known as the Music City Miracle. Fielded, fielded by Lorenzo Neal at the twenty five. Hands back to Frank Wycheck. Throws it across the field to Dyson. He's got something. Sorry. Uh, I just love that. I, I listened to it literally right before we came on, and it's uh, it, it I, like it puts a smile to my face. Here we are, twenty one years later, so or twenty years later. Um, it, but uh, yeah, hey guys, this week's sode is a, it's the Lorenzo Neal sodes because it's a good one. We're joined by Joe Rexrode of the Athletic. He's going to break down that get right uh, game in Jacksonville. We're going to ask him a bunch of questions about that. We're going to ask him. We're going to look ahead to uh, the Lions. Joe used to work in uh, Michigan and the Detroit area, so we'll we'll. He's a perfect guy for this week, Lions uh, Lions week, I guess. And we've got a remember the Titan uh, and just so, and we're just going to have some fun. That's just what we do. That's what Jack and I do. But before we have fun. Not saying that this live read won't be fun, but before we get into the fun fun, let's get a word about Mill Creek Brewing Company. Mill Creek Brewing Company, located in Nolensville, Tennessee, 2008B Johnson Industrial Boulevard. It is the place to watch football and the place to drink cool beer. Uh, I want to talk, we talked last week about a certain beer they have. I want to do it again. Mama's Trouble. It's super cool, super interesting, super, super unique. Um, it's double local. That it's it's brewed obviously at Mill Creek Brewing Company, but it's a coffee oatmeal stout. It's a great beer to wake up and drink it for you morning drinkers. Um, it, it's the coffee they use is from Mama's Java right down the road road in Nolensville, making it look it's especially attractive. You you guys who want to support small local business, Mill Creek and jo- uh, Mama's Java teamed up to make something uh, incredibly awesome. 
Zach Bingham, Austin Stanley drank it live at Mill Creek a couple weeks ago while we were on site doing a show. They loved it. You'll love it. And the thing about that is you can even on a on a college football Saturday, maybe that's what you start with. A little mama's trouble at Mill Creek Brewing Company. Sit down, watch your team wait, watch the SEC championship, watch Alabama probably dominate Florida as they always do. Uh, will they cover? I don't know. We look, hey, if you're stressed about what you bet on, go to Mill Creek Brewing Company, have a couple, have a couple of beers and sit down watching football with some great people. And some great beers. It's really a great atmosphere. Mill Creek Brewing Company. All right. With that said, let's talk tight. I hear the train a coming. It's rolling around the bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm what is up, Flameheads? Welcome into the Tighten Up Podcast. Today is Denver sixteenth, twenty. 20. The Tennessee Titans are nine and four, and Jack, I know this is uh, this isn't the proper way to start off uh, a podcast, especially this podcast. So I'm going to start off this podcast this way. Perfect. <laughs> nine and seven is still in play for the Tennessee Titans. Why are you doing this right now? <laughs> now of all times, you have to do this. The ghost of Jeff Fisher lives on. I'm just saying. Look, nine wins has been the ceiling for the Tennessee Titans since 2008. They haven't cracked nine wins since 2008 when they went 13 and three. The, the and they've they have gone nine and seven probably six times uh, in those what 11, 12 years. Like, if anything, if Titans know one thing, if people in Nashville know one thing, well. It's not music. It's not music or, or country music or anything like that. It's going nine and seven with the Titans. Oh. And I and I'll say this: they got a great chance at ten wins this weekend, which we'll get into later. But I, all they need to do is just win. I, I will be happy if they win one of the next three games. Obviously, I want them to win all three games, especially in this tight playoff push. But if I just want them to crack nine wins and get to 10 wins so we can finally have a double digit win season. Well, uh, you bring up a, you bring up a fair point. Okay. It's, it's look, it's historically correct. Your facts are right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Fact checking me. This is look, this is a Titan team. that's much different from any of the teams we've seen in the last 12 years. We know this. Um, it's very evident. They, they've got as high powered of an offense as they've ever had since moving to Nashville. Um, sorry, 2003 Titans, Drew Bennett. I know um, you're going to be upset when you listen to this. Um, but but they also haven't won the division since 2008. An AFC championship, an AFC South championship, rather, is what yeah. the team set up for this year. It's, it's something they haven't accomplished in a long, long time. And coming into the season, they're really when you're looking at the rosters across the board in the AFC South, there's no reason why the Titans shouldn't finish at the top. Now they've positioned themselves here in the last few weeks to where it's a real possibility. It's a legitimate possibility. As you mentioned, uh, is nine and seven. I would say the division's a little more um, in the realm of possibility than actually finishing nine and seven with just who the Titans have on the horizon in these next three games. But to win, I, I look to win the division, you may have to win 11 games, but right now where the Titans sit, they have nine wins along with the Colts. So 
since the Titans command the tiebreaker, which is AFC South divisional record, a uh, record inside the the division, it's really like the Titans have a one game lead on the Colts, right? Because yes. yeah, finishing with the same amount of wins does no good for Indianapolis. Um, so so you have a game in hand, really, and and you're playing a Detroit Lions team that may be hamstrung at the quarterback position this week with Stafford dealing with rib injuries. He's a tough player, but will he play this week? A lot of people are doubting it. They're dubious right now. And you finish, look, you play Green Bay on the road in Lambeau on prime time, which is scary as hell. But you finish the season in Houston where nothing has gone right this year. I think the Titans, you win, you look to win two of these three, right? That, yeah. that should be the goal, win two of these three. Winning out is going to be very difficult. I think it's possible. But looking at the schedule, two out of three here to finish the season would put the Titans, uh, you'd almost guarantee uh, the Titans would win the AFC South. The Colts have a date in Pittsburgh um, here here in uh, two weeks. It's, it's scary, and I, I think you're going to play a Pittsburgh team that's that's hearing the noise, that's going to come in angry. I like the Titans to win the AFC South. I think they should they should be able to pull it out, barring a disaster, barring some type of awful injury. But yet nine and seven is possible. Look, I, I'm I'm happy where the Titans are right now. I think bouncing back against the Jaguars after one of the ugliest first halves we've seen from them all season the week prior against the Browns was monumental for this team and where they might go. To win the AFC South, to win your division, you have to beat your division opponents, especially the ones that you're better than. And in years past, we've seen the Titans have those games against teams like the Jaguars or, you know, maybe like a lowly Texans team and kind of played down to their opponent. The way the Titans came out on Sunday and was, I, it took them a while to get points on the board or at least more than a touchdown on the board, but they were dominant throughout. They looked good throughout the entire game. And and it did start early. That scoring started early with my thanks to AJ Brown, who who put together probably I mean definitely one of the highlights of the season with his one handed catch in the corner of the end zone on a on a uh, flea flicker of all plays. So technically, I think Derrick Henry should be given an assist on that. I don't know if if that is even a stat. If we need to call up the uh, PFF people and just say, hey, look, you need to add an assist to your stat book because Derrick Henry has one and he's leading, he's leading the league in assists, uh, from, uh, you know, I, I don't, don't fact check me on that, but that's a, that's a hockey assist, isn't it? Because yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he's passing to, yeah. He delivered the initial assist, but it was the secondary pass leading up to Tannehill's pass. Right. That, that would give you one point in hockey, but look, yeah. In hockey Derrick Henry has, has enough, um, He's he's got enough stats and touchdowns and accolades and everything else. I'm sure he's okay with just letting Tannehill and AJ have this one. Yeah, and I I loved AJ. Look, it's been no state secret. AJ Brown has had a case of the dropsies, McDropsies lately. And he had okay. another one. He had another one in against Jacksonville. Right. Yeah. So like he hasn't been the surest of hands. Which, with with that said, I love that he goes out and makes one of the most ridiculous, hardest catches with only one hand that we've seen from him all season. Uh, you know, God blessed Arthur Juan with two hands, but he showed he only needs one. And 
it like to me on that on that play specifically, it was kind of like it reminded me of like playing uh, uh, playing like ba- uh, basketball with your dad in the driveway, where he uses just one arm to box you out and uses the other arm to like either catch the ball or, you know, or, or shoot, put it up. That was, that was AJ on that play. And it was awesome. And it was great to see. And it was, that was the tone setter in my opinion for what was the rest of the game. And what's funny is that's one of those plays too, just a flea flicker of Arthur Smith, quote unquote, getting cute, but nobody ever complains about Arthur Smith getting cute when the play actually works. Thanks. And it, it worked. You're right. It, look, Arthur Smith has been a guy who's been getting a lot of f- flack lately with the, the Cameron Batson snap. Yeah. Uh, throwing to Alex Brewer in a critical situation um, and that not working. He's Look, we know that Arthur's bag is deep. Okay. His bag of tricks, his playbook is long. Very deep. And, and, and we've seen the, the right side of things with him as we have the bad, but more so we've seen the good. Uh, what comes to mind is Derrick Henry's jump pass in Baltimore. Uh, now we have a flea flicker to, to AJ Brown down the sidelines because in what that does against Jacksonville, Jacksonville has Derrick Henry PTSD. <laughs> yeah. that's, and that's why this play worked because you <laughs> give the ball to Derrick Henry and they need to send 11. Okay. Towards Derrick Henry. The, 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 the focus will be immediately on Henry as soon as he touches the ball, as they've been coached to do, which has worked and hasn't worked in, in, in years past. Um, so once the defense is keyed in on Derrick Henry, he just tosses it back to Tannehill and AJ Brown. You you've been, you you made a reference to to Dad playing son. It's kind of what the Titans have been to the Jags lately. I think winning six out of seven, um, in in AJ Brown just only needing that one hand, yeah, to shove little brother back in the ground, okay, and, and bring in one of the most fantastic catches of of the season for the Titans. Not only the Titans, but in the NFL, it. I'm glad to see AJ Brown make that catch because you know those drops were getting to him. Sure. And, and look, just like we talked about the Steelers hearing the noise from the outside, AJ Brown has to hear it. You can't avoid it, and especially for a guy who's on social media as much as AJ is. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's he's seeing uh, he, he's seeing the noise. He's like he's hearing the buzz. He's he's aware that people are also aware of these dropsies. These it's 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 not the yips really because. A guy with the yips, you rarely see, you know, huge success from. Okay. Yeah, right, right. And and this isn't this isn't a situation where you have Deontay Johnson in in Pittsburgh who can't catch a ball, or Hollywood Brown in in Baltimore who has actual drop problems. Right. Okay? It, this is like yeah, AJ Brown. AJ Brown could go, you know, one for four with one strikeout, or I mean, with four one for four with three strikeouts. But, but that one that one hit would be a grand slam. Yeah. Like so that you can't say that a person is completely slumping when they are they are still producing, but they're just yeah, they but they do still have those mental lapses where they have those drops in critical moments. He, uh, can't, he can't have that if he wants to be the number one wide receiver here for years. But look, he's in his second year. We know he has the talent, we know he has the hands, the strength alone. Um you know, he, he, and he for such a big yards after catch receiver, you have to wonder if if you know he's he's looking past the catch when that ball's yeah. coming in, and I think that might have something to do with it. Um, now, it's, I, I'm glad you brought up uh, Derrick Henry PTSD. We actually have a uh, a soundbite of the Jaguars mic'd up on that play uh, for um, the the flea flicker. So I'm I'm just gonna play that here. <laughs> 
they're passing it. So yeah, so that was the Jaguars uh, mic'd up for the flea flicker. And that to me shows me that uh, tells me that Derrick Henry is the Jaguars father. If if the, the mystery, the mystery machine gang from Scooby-Doo was to rip off Shahid Khan's mask, you would see that the real owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars is Derrick Henry. And, to me, Derrick Henry is, and I, I talked about this on the radio uh, on 3HL on um, on Monday. Derrick Henry needs to be considered for an MVP. He, it's time that the national media, at very least, I want Derrick Henry at very least to be nominated for MVP in the top three. I, I, I think he deserves that at very least. You're obviously going to get your Aaron Rodgers in there. You're going to get your Patrick Mahomes in there. I think Derrick Henry deserves that third spot. And I honestly, and this is extremely, I'm extremely biased towards Derrick Henry, but I truly believe that Derrick Henry could potentially win this game. And I'll tell you why. Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes are both great. They are They are obviously two of the best in the sport right now. And they're quarterbacks, which helps them a ton because this the MVP is not doesn't go to anyone. The MVP goes to the best quarterback every single year. It's really kind of annoying because it, if you play any other position other than quarterback, good luck. To me, Derrick Henry deserves to be in that conversation because he's the best in the sport at his position. With when it comes to Patrick Mahomes. And Aaron Rodgers, it's a coin flip as to who's the best quarterback. And that's what we, talk, we we talk about that some with the MVP award a lot. It's it's not always the most valuable player to their team, which Derrick Henry is by far and away the most valuable to his team. Sure, the anyone. entire offense revolves around Derrick Henry. You could win nine games with with the Chiefs, okay, without Patrick Mahomes. You could probably win nine, maybe ten games there. You could, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Look, he. He is a, he is one of those guys where I'd say he's right there neck and neck with Derrick Henry in, in, in accordance to which which player is really who means the most to their specific team. Josh Allen, that that Bill the Bills have a stacked roster. Okay, they've got Diggs on the outside, they've got John Brown on the outside, they've got a, a top ten defense. I think you could throw in somebody you know an average quarterback, uh, maybe Derek Carr, or although he's played above average, I'll, I'll give you um, let's see. Who would be an average quarterback this year? Jared Goff. He, he may be a little below, but I think you could win nine, ten games with Jared Goff in Buffalo. Sure. You, you take Derrick Henry out of this offense, and you plug in a Ronald Jones or or, or maybe, um, a, let's see, a Jonathan Taylor. This team's completely different. They, yeah. They probably have six, seven wins. Derrick Henry is the most valuable player. Now, let me let me read to you what the odds makers have it set as. Now, this is William Hill Sportsbook one of the biggest sports book in Las Vegas. And why do we trust these odds? Well, take no further, look no further than the tall towers and bright lights in Las Vegas. Okay. Those, those don't come from just taxpayers. Okay. The, the, the sports books have a lot to do with, with the ambiance and everything in Las Vegas. Derek Henry. Much, said, much like the, much like the Titans versus the Jaguars. The, the house always wins. The house always wins. Exactly. Derek Henry's tied for the fourth best odds right now. In, for the, in the MVP race, Mahomes okay. is minus, 
minus 240 favorite. Aaron Rodgers right behind him, plus 190. Josh Allen is plus 1,500 in third. And then Russell Wilson and Derrick Henry both sit at plus 5,000. Look, that this late in the season, it's going to be hard. It's nearly impossible for a guy who's plus 5,000 to pull away with this. But when you talk about Derrick Henry, who's coming off a 225-yard game, two touchdowns, he's closing in on that 2,000-yard number. He now needs only 156 yards per game over his last three games to hit 2,000. Now let's talk about some of the guys he's some of the teams he's going to line up against. Detroit this week, yeah. ranked 29th in, in run defense. And what's different about this Detroit team coming in this week? Well, they might just be playing without Matt Stafford, like we talked about early. They'll probably be trailing for the majority, if not the entirety, of the game, where the Titans might lean on Derrick Henry a little bit more. And kind of like the Jaguars, Mike Vrabel answered the question. He uh, he said. You know, in games that are already in hand with records at stake, the offensive line feels just just as big of a part of that record as Derrick Henry does. Right. They want this just as bad as he does. So it's hard to say, hey, no, uh, let's pull back a little bit with the playoffs on the horizon. But when you're this close, 156 yards is all you need in each game. You're playing the Detroit Lions this week, who's given up, who's allowed Dalvin Cook to scamper for 200 yards earlier in the season. Green Bay has allowed four guys to eclipse 100 yards. Um, this year. They sit at 11th in rush defense. And you finish with Houston, the second worst run defense in football, who in Derrick Henry's last meeting, Henry ran for 212 yards. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 156 yards per game is not out of the equation yet. No. And if he and, and, that, his, you'd have to figure his odds jump, you know, super, look, they, they may climb back to even triple digits, okay? But right now they're at plus 5,000, which is heavy and steep. But maybe maybe that changes next week. Maybe something with Mahomes happens. Maybe he, maybe he, you know, plays like he did in the first half against the Dolphins. Maybe Aaron Rodgers struggles and something happens like that. Yeah, the 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 last three teams on the schedule also they're the wor- three worst defenses in terms of PPR points allowed to opposing running backs. That's per uh, Pro Football Focus. That. Uh, the the road is set. The road ahead is 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 paved. And Derek is look. You want to talk historically? The guy has only played five seasons, with really only getting uh, ample amount of playing time in the last three, and he's already got four two hundred yards, two hundred yard rushing games to his name. That's third all time, uh, tied with Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, and Earl Campbell. Shout out Titans. Ooh. Uh, slash Oilers, I guess. Uh, he's also the first running back in NFL history with four 200-yard, two-touchdown games. We are over 100 seasons into the NFL. If you're the first in the NFL to do anything, that's hella impressive. The last running back to win an MVP, Adrian Peterson in 2012. The last running back before him, LaDainian Tomlinson in 2006. And that was LaDainian Tomlinson's first year of putting together back-to-back rushing titles, which hasn't happened since then. And that's what I was going to say. I'm glad you, um, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson, yes, the last guy to lead the NFL in rushing yards in back-to-back seasons. Maybe what Henry did last year may give him, you know, a little bit of nudge because uh, of recency bias. Look, we've seen very few running backs do this. Uh, Actually, we've only seen LaDainian Tomlinson do this. And, you know, if you have Derrick Henry, who puts together back-to-back seasons of leading the NFL in rushing yards, and, oh, by the way, his the second time around, you know, after everyone was put on notice after last season and his dominant performance last season, oh, he get, he, he goes ahead and he does 2,000, 
Right. That has to be paid attention to. And I think what we're seeing now is more people involving him in, in VP discussions. They're at and least putting as they in the conversation. Yeah. He's, he's eight yards off of his, uh, he, he led the league last year with 1,540 yards. He's eight yards off of that right now as it stands. All he needs is eight yards to top that. And he's got three games to do it. And all he'll get that saying, in the first carry against Detroit. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, all I'm saying is, look, it's time. Locally, we all get it. Everyone in Nashville understands how great Derrick Henry is and gives him all the praise and the love he deserves. It's time nationally people start to take notice and 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 start to notice that, like, take note that a another position can and this year should win MVP outside of quarterback. It's so lazy. It's so un like, it's so just boring to give a quarterback the MVP every, every single year. That's all they do when they pick the MVP is uh, who's the best quarterback this year. Okay. That's our MVP. It even started this year at the beginning of the year when Russell Wilson was going off and you know, just whatever quarterbacks playing the best, putting up the best numbers, that's the person who's leading the MVP race. But what about running back? What about if you're going to give this award to the actual most valuable player? That is Derrick Henry. He is more valuable to his team than any of those other guys. And that's not a knock at Rodgers or Mahomes. They're both very important in their offenses. But like you said earlier, you could you could put other quarterbacks in. Th- those track athletes they have at wide receiver in Kansas City, anyone could throw the football to them. Patrick Mahomes does it better than most people, but you could put anyone in there and Kansas City would still probably be leading their division. They have enough around the quarterback position to really maybe even win that division. Yeah, same thing with Aaron Rodgers. He's got Devontae Adams, who's arguably the best receiver in the sport right now. You're right. And look, you you can kind of compare it to the NBA. I know LeBron is comparing Derrick Henry to himself, baby Bron, um, as as King James has referred to him as. But the same goes with Michael Jordan. Every season that Michael Jordan and LeBron James have played in the NBA, you could probably have given him the MVP awards, right? Yeah. So it, it, they are the consistently the most valuable player on their team, but they do not win it every year. And that is kind of – the NFL has kind of taken a, a bit of that and, and ran with it as well. It's not always the most valuable player. It's, it's kind of who – I guess you could say – Who's putting the most astonishing numbers up? Well, maybe on, on a contending team, right? And yeah. it's Patrick Mahomes, it's Aaron Rodgers, it's Tom Brady, it's Russell Wilson, all these guys. Although Russell Wilson's never gotten a vote. Uh, but, but real quick, I do want to talk about Malcolm Butler before we move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And before we get to move on to the defense, uh, Titans fans, on Twitter, this is what I want you to do. Whenever you see the Peter Kings of the world or the Jeff Schartzes or any NFL writer, especially NFL writers with MVP votes, I want you to tweet at them and say, hey, Derrick Henry for MVP. Derrick Henry for MVP. Just flood their 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 mentions with Derrick Henry for MVP because it's time to get them. If they're not going to turn their own heads, if they're not going to get up from their lazy like stances of quarterbacks or MVPs, let's turn their heads for them. Let's freaking the Titans Twitter is very strong. As we've seen Jeff shorts, sharks cries about it all the time. Same, same with the Adam ranks get, let's get people to turn their heads and say, look, Derrick Henry is putting together a special season. What about him for MVP? And just keep doing that. And then, and then 
NFL writers, if you do it enough, it'll plant the idea in their head, kind of inception wise, you know, Christopher Nolan, like that, it will get them to think, oh, you know what, maybe I'm going to be different this year. Because if there's one thing writers, NFL writers love to do, it's to be different. It's to be the first to a take and give a different take than everyone else. Because you get, all the you, you get the clout. You get the right. followers. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, oh, uh, you know what? What about Derrick Henry for MVP? I'm going to start, I'm going to do that. And they're going to think like it was their idea, which is fine. That's that's completely fine. Let them think that. As long as, they, as long as they put out that idea, then boom, sure enough, they start saying it. And then other people start attaching onto that take and they like it. And they're like, yeah, what about Derrick Henry for MVP? And then before you know it, Derrick Henry's hosting the MVP at the end of the season. Uh, but no, let's talk about this oh, defense, oh. Malcolm Butler. Real quick, I, I you mentioned Jeff Schartz. Uh, we're going to talk about him, or at least I am, on the back half of this interview. After after we have Rex Road on, we're going to get into what Jeff Schartz said um, about a, a pooping incident on Monday Night Football. I can't wait for you guys to hear that. But it's, right. it's, 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 the nice thing is, it's like that scene in Bird Box, right? Have you you've seen Bird Box? Uh, oh yeah, where everyone's it's, everyone's blindfolded. That's right. It, it's. It's like that scene where the old man or the old man who's living in the house, the old British man, pries the old lady's eyes open to get her to look. That's <laughs> what we're trying to do with the Derek Henry MVP conversation. We're bird boxing these NFL writers. <laughs> hey, Malcolm Butler had himself a day on Sunday, which was great to see. Uh, really, this whole defense. I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The defense is fixed. Everything's good. <laughs> oh, man. I laugh so I don't cry. But... <laughs> No, Malcolm Butler did have his best game of, of yeah. probably of the season, in my opinion. He had uh, look, he shadowed DJ Chark for the majority of the game, and Chark got him. Chark look, Chark got Malcolm Butler in the first matchup in Week Two this season. He caught all four passes uh, for eighty-four yards. But this time around, Malcolm Butler after the game said he owed Chark one. Uh, he shadowed Chark for most of the day. Chark finished with two catches, sixteen yards on nine targets. That man was a – Malcolm Butler blanketed him the entire day. And that's – in a game where you're missing uh, Breon Borders and Ty Smith has to fill in, Yeah, it's really important to kind of hold the wall, do your job on your side, and let the safeties be able to help out. Whoever's got to help out on Ty Smith's side to make his life a little easier can, can do that. But Malcolm Butler, I think that was his best game of the season. I think now is the right time to kind of – be clicking on the back end of that defense after what's been a really, really rough year for those guys. So hats yeah. off to Malcolm Butler. We'll get into this more with um with uh Joe Rexroad. But uh yeah, I'm I'm really last year this was the hamstring of the Titans, especially when they played the Chiefs in the AFC championship. Mm-hmm. When it came to playoff time, secondary was banged up and it was beat up and they were it was being held together with uh, duct tape and string. This year I'm and I don't want to, you know, knock on wood. uh, It feels as though they're, they're starting to get healthier now. Like they're, they're guys are coming back. Hopefully, hopefully we can get an Adoree Jackson back. Hopefully, you know, that guy, I, I just, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing uh, with that. But, uh, but, but also, yeah, brand borders, if he can get right, um, you know, and then you have your Malcolm Butler, then you could possibly have this secondary, being at their healthiest going into the playoffs, which is would be such a breath of fresh air from what you had last year. Um, and also shout out Kevin Byard. Almost got his first so pick close, of the season. So close. He was pissed too. He knew he needed that one. But look, 
we talked about the Titans last year not being able to put pressure on Mahomes and the Chiefs and, and kind of get him out of his comfort zone. But they have something on that defensive side of the ball that they didn't have last year. And that's four, maybe five competent guys on the outside. Okay, you get Christian Fulton. He's been he's been yeah. activated. That, that was another one I was I, I meant to add. Christian Fulton getting healthy and getting right. He was activated this week. We saw Dory Jackson practice in limited fashion last week. You already have uh, Desmond King and Malcolm Butler ready to go. If they can get Breon Borders back, that's five dudes. Okay, five dudes who can play also. So, yeah. and you're going to have to have those guys. You can't have, you know, and Ty Smith even if he needs to. I I feel okay about not great, but okay. Because you're lining up, if you do play the Chiefs, you're lining up against Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Miko Hardeman, uh, and, and just a bunch of those speedsters. It's literally the U.S. track team. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's the 4x100 team. And it, by the way, they win gold, damn it. They and do. It, <laughs> I feel okay about it. Look, but the, ma- the major concern is still that pass rush. Against the Jaguars, Yeah, the Titans still didn't get a sack. And that yeah. is what's frustrating. Uh, and I will say this. Gardner Minshew, I don't understand why he didn't start that game for the Jaguars. I think they're, the tank's in full effect. I think that's why. That Gardner Minshew is their best quarterback. And, I, and I, I'm going to say this, which might be crazy. Gardner Minshew is a good quarterback, a decent quarterback. But like he's like slightly better than decent. Like he, he's, I think, he's I think he's like good. 25 to 30. He's a, because he can you think. He he's also on a Jaguars team that is just depleted with talent. There's nothing around. It's hard to judge a quarterback with the the surroundings that Gardner Minshew has. You're right, and and he went out there. Obviously, we saw it in Week Two that he like he almost knocked off the Titans in Week Two, and and was very great with some of those throws. I'm still mesmerized by those throws he made in Week Two. Would just pinpoint accuracy just right over defenders heads and outstretched arms. It was, it was wild. Mm-hmm. And he came in on, on Sunday and looked good. Now, granted they, he, he drove them down the field. They would, they would stall in the red zone. So he wasn't able to finish drives, but he was clearly much better than Mike Clinton. And yeah, I don't understand. Look, I'm not, I'm not complaining. Jacksonville, feel free to do the dumbest. Keep your beaches open through COVID. I don't care. I like you guys are idiots down there. Keep being idiots. But yeah, it's it was good to see the defense kind of get back, and yeah, hopefully this defensive line, man, I don't know what the fix is there. Maybe we'll we'll get into that with Joe Rexrode. But before we get to Joe Rexrode, I want to talk to you about mybookie.ag. If I said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Sports betting is all the rage these days, guys. And you know, it, it, you may be like on Twitter during games or um, or social media during games, and you know, you see people talk about backdoor covers and you know spreads and all of this stuff. It's like, don't you want to be a part of that conversation? You, I mean, you should just go ahead and join in, join into the fun. Uh, you know, j- jump in. The water's fine, I guess. And when you jump in, jump into the inflatable or the above ground pool known as mybookie.ag. Mybookie.ag. Use code MYTITANS at mybookie.ag to double your first deposit up to $1,000. I, I say it every week, guys, and I will continue to say it every week until you get this in your head. That's free money. And every week, Jack on Saturday mornings on the A to Z sports social media channels gives you my best bet. And did the, my best bet win this week? 
the my best bet always wins. Nine and five, AJ Brown. Nine, nine and five, people. That's that's free money. So you take you take the using code mytines and mybookie.ag, getting uh, d- doubling your first deposit up to a thousand dollars. You get that free money, and then you bet it on the my best bet on from A to Z Sports. And then you, and then that's just free money. Like I, it is beyond me why you guys haven't done this if you haven't done it already. Mybookie.ag, go do it. And now let's talk to our guy, Joe Retro. Stoked for our guest this week. We are joined by the senior writer slash columnist for the Athletic National. You guys, you can also hear him on the radio, co-host of Robbie and Rex Road on ESPN 102.5 The Game. He's written for the Tennessean, the Detroit Free Press, the Lansing State Journal, uh, and now for the Athletic. You can find him on Twitter at Joe Rex Road. He is Joe Rexro. Joe, how are you, man? Thanks so much for joining us. I'm good. Thanks for the you little I, I realize how old I am, but it's great to be with you guys. Uh, now, Joe, we start uh, each of our interviews off with the most pressing questions, like the toughest. We, we, Every time. We get the heavy lifting out of the way first, and then we can enjoy ourselves the rest of the way. So I got to ask you, as a guy who has worked in both Detroit and Nashville, and with it being Lions Hate Week, which is a thing that I may or may not have just made up for the sake of this question, which is better, Nashville or Detroit? Uh, well, I'm going to say Nashville, and, and and I genuinely mean that, but I very, very much love Detroit. Okay, So it's a very diplomatic answer. Uh, <laughs> Detroit has taken a lot of crap in my life, so I probably should stand up for Detroit. But I'll give Nashville the edge, weather one thing. Um, Detroit's gotten a lot better, though. You know, I mean, like, people should check out Detroit. Detroit in the summertime, it's, it's they, they've uh, they've come a long way. But, yeah, I mean, I've got I've to go with Nashville. Family feud, good answer. Good answer. Good Joe, answer. is one reason you might not like Detroit is because of a certain – experience or a bad run-in you might have had with one Tom Izzo? Oh, well, I mean, I covered Tom Izzo for a long, 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 long time. So, I mean, there were many many, you know, fun, hilarious conversations, too. I mean, covering him was awesome overall. Like, you know, you talk about someone who's, yeah, like, come watch practice, call me, come into my office, whatever. The flip, the, the flip side of that is, you know, if there's like a preposition doesn't like in your story, he might call you and, and MF you for five minutes, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, we had we had our moments. At one time, my wife was pregnant with our uh, first kid, and uh, I don't remember what the story was. But anyway, like, it was like two hours on the phone at night, and she's like, Dude, what's up? I don't know, it's Tom Mizzle. Like, what do you want, you know? <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I will say that, when you compare that to like the antiseptic uh, environment for the most part of covering sports today, um, I'll take that a hundred times out of a hundred, you know, since this is a, uh, I don't want to blindside you with any questions here, but since this is a Titans podcast, Jack and I are going to ask you a Titans question. Uh, if that's cool. At some point. <laughs> yeah. 
With, I guess. All right. <laughs> what what will it take for Derrick Henry, if possible at all? And maybe maybe that's your answer. It's not possible. But what will it take for Derrick Henry to win MVP? Well, I mean, to me, it would take. I mean, just start with Patrick Mahomes. Him flipping up a banana peel over and over again. Uh, he's he'd really, have to, uh, he'd really have to screw it up. And then Aaron Rodgers would have to screw it up. Uh, I I do think after those two, I think there's a, there's a space. And I think let, let's say Derrick Henry again. He have to, has to average 191 yards, which is ridiculous. Um, but he did. So it's five, I think 574 yards he needs. I think that's right. He did have 588 in three huge. Like, could you deny him the MVP? You know, like, like I think that would be un-American to deny him the MVP if he figured his record. But short of that, yeah, it would have to be a complete a collapse by, I think, two keys. You guys agree? Yeah, well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm writing this down. Uh, uh, slipping on banana peels. So all we got to do <laughs> is get as many banana peels to Arrowhead Stadium as possible. Um, and then maybe we'll have a chance. So I, <laughs> I hope that's the case. We're talking about quarterbacks. The MVP, tailpipe, you know? <laughs> the MVP is tradition, traditionally a quarterback award. And um, you, if I'm not mistaken, you have experience playing that position as well. Is that correct? <laughs> well, I was. Well, I tell you what, I was quite a, uh, quite a player in the, first of all, Marshall, Michigan. Gase and I are both alums of the Marshall, Michigan Volley. <laughs> I, I will say that. I was a greater Manassas, that's Manassas, Virginia, football league all-star quarterback in fifth grade. So be uh, proud of that. I, I switched out of a quarterback in ninth grade in because we ran the option, option quarterback. Uh, not quite fleet of foot. But the state news, Michigan paper, um, I almost led us to victory against the Michigan Daily. But I did drive smoking a cigarette the entire drive I had it in my mouth the whole time even though we lost in a heartbreaker I feel like my taunting of that defense with the cigarette in my mouth was more than the victory that's how I'm gonna remember it one quarterback that can run the option is Lamar Jackson this is why I asked you about the quarterback position Lamar went to the locker room for an extended period of time last night and rumors are swirling whether he was on the toilet or actually getting an IV like the reports were uh were saying I was wondering if you might have ever had a, a moment like that where, you know, you just – when you got to go, you got to go. And, you know, whether it's a uniform malfunction or it's just a, a mad dash to yeah. the bathroom, um, you might have to sit, sit out a few plays. Yeah, did you ever poop during a game is basically what we're getting. <laughs> no. Uh, it's amazing, like, you know, to think about, about that. Like, I mean, I'm you know, the, the idea here in this, but, like, what happened with a pregame meal? You know what I mean? Like, you, you just <laughs> – a lot of fiber. He had, he had he just ate he just ate like twenty seven <laughs> bowls of total stacked up on each other. There you go, colon blow, colon blow cereal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so no, that I never I've never experienced. That. I don't know why I'm just on that too. You know, he should embrace that. I mean, to me, I think it makes it a cooler story. Oh, without question, because if you go like he's like yeah, in the middle of a of, of a of a game, I went and took a dump. I came back and my team was now tied. 
and then I led them to victory. Like that to me is a bigger like legend. Drop the boost and then fourth down conversion, like right. back to back. That's, <laughs> That's amazing. That that would be a bigger legend than uh, Joe Montana and the John Candy uh, spotting John Candy in the stands before the the drive. Like that to me is a bigger story. Maybe I'm just. I thought you were gonna say, like, yeah, that's a good. <laughs> no, that's a good call. I thought you were gonna say Joe Montana sick chicken soup bowl, which maybe that made him poop later, you know. But <laughs> you know, that's going back to. But no, good call. The picking out John Candy that is that is legendary. Yeah, and I forgot about that. Um, Joe, uh, I got to ask you a two part question: Is a Dory coming back ever? <laughs> and. Uh, if so, is this is is the way they're handling his return? Does it is it kind of like a Patriots move to make sure all of your best players? Same thing with like Christian Fulton and those guys that are like have have taken a while to come back. Are the Titans being very cautious with them bringing them back, hoping that they bring them back just in time for the playoffs to kind of counteract what happened last year, where they had a depleted secondary for most of the playoffs are they are they trying to counterbalance that with having just hit like a an extra super strong because this feels like a very belichickian play by vrabel here to like bring make sure your best guys are healthy in january yeah i hadn't thought about it that way austin but i, I hey i'd buy anything at this point you know especially the adore thing it's pretty obvious i mean i mean with the dory you know he he was going to play. I, I'm convinced of it against Pittsburgh and uh, he was practicing and then all of a sudden he's gone for weeks. So, I mean, that's something, you know, that's something, um, but it's, it's interesting, you know, like, like last week. So he's just on the, the scout team or the, you know, the show team as well. But like, to me from the naked eye, like health is he's ever been, I mean, either near Okay, so like, why would he not be available? So maybe, maybe there's something to that. So you know what? banged up, banged up a team that matters. Um, I mean, yeah, the the argument against that is, man, maybe you'd want him to play a little bit and not just throw him into something like that. But I, I'd be willing to buy anything. Vrabel is, listen, uh, I know Titans fans are happy with the malarkey to Vrabel transition, and it's certainly been better in most ways. But man, I miss Malarkey like before a guy even gets it you know like yeah i think uh you know uh mariota's probably gonna have a shoulder today it'll be uh you know a little bit of a strain here and then third metatarsal strain i mean like he would just give us the entire injury report every day it won't do very belichickian there of rabel so hey that's a good thought though austin i i I mean maybe maybe they're trying to be coy yeah with the playoffs, you know, the Tides are pretty much a shoe in to, to make the playoffs already. Maybe they are just kind of putting him on the back burner, letting him get fully healthy because they had to deal without Mal- – they had to, to to play in the playoffs last year without Malcolm Butler, and I don't think they want to do that again. Um, uh, another cornerback that was just recently activated off IR to the active roster is Christian Fulton. Do you know anything about him uh, when, when, he, when we might be able to expect him back on the field because we know – an activation doesn't always mean that they're going to suit up on Sunday, but it, it, it's a good sign. It means they're at least close, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, like, you know, he, he, it doesn't necessarily mean he, he'll play. And obviously I mean, practice this, so we go tell the story, but I would guess that that means that he's, uh, he's right there and probably I, I'd play, but Hey, 
I've guessed that Dory will play about five times this year. So, you know, my, <laughs> my batting average is not very good. But, yeah, I, I, I would think that Fulton probably plays. You know, it's interesting. What are they going to do with him? Um, you know, until a Dory comes back, um, even though he's worked on the side. I mean, I feel like Butler and King are two guys right now. You you keep them doing what they're doing, and you just have to figure out that. But, yeah, all of a sudden they might have a lot of depth at corner soon, which is good since they have zero outside linebackers. Yeah, that's true. Um, and that's that's something we were we were hinting at earlier in the podcast was, you know, the Titans don't – they definitely don't have the pass rush um, that they even had last year at this point in the season. They they struggled to to even put pressure on a Jacksonville quarterback. They they've really it's been an area of concern all season. But when you have a healthy secondary, when you have four or five guys like Malcolm Butler, Dory Jackson, Christian Fulton, Desmond King, and even Breon Borders, um, you stand a little bit better of a chance against Mahomes, who likes to really spread the ball out. If you are to ever go back to Arrowhead. Yeah, or you could just say, which one of you guys wants to get smoked on this play? You know? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's good to have, it's good to have some depth, but, uh, you know, that's the thing. I mean, that game was ultimately it was like, gosh, they just – they need someone who can just go wreck a game, right? I mean, I mean, I, like, to me, it's just – it's totally like, what if what if Clowney, like, gets healthy and, and what if – like his best season under Vrabel means that he, he he just Vrabel just has a way of getting the best out of him. I mean, obviously the Beasley thing was they went all in on it. It's a complete failure. And I mean, not drafting someone right now, man, that looks tough. I because I just to me, like you have to figure out a way to affect him, you know. Um, because you can cover you can cover some of those guys, but I mean he's just got like like McCall Hardman barely but he oh by the way, he runs a four three, you know, mm-hmm. I mean if they want to use him. Everything they do, I, that, that's a game that if they – yeah, their depth is good uh, for sure. I mean, and, and maybe, again, I think a Dory in that game would be good. You know, that would be huge. They would have to have him. Um, but how do you affect him? Is there any way to – it's like really come up with some scheming to do get that done, and you're pretty much going to have to play a perfect game offensively. Um, three games left in the season. You, you know your strengths. You know your weaknesses. For the Titans to get back to the AFC Championship game, what do you think would be the ideal path in terms of teams they would line up against? Would it would it be a first round date with the Browns or the Ravens or even the Colts? Um, would you rather play the Steelers or Chiefs? Right now, it seems pretty obvious that the Steelers would be your likely choice. Um, the Bills are hot right now. How, what what do you think? Which teams do you think the Titans match up best against? Well, they've obviously matched up well against the Ravens the last few times they played them. You know, so. I mean, I think they have a pretty good plan. Uh, you know, at the same time, you know, saw Cleveland put 38 and a half in them. I, I don't think they should necessarily fear that match. I mean, that that was, you know, they did everything wrong early in that game, and it just it got out of hand. I don't – I mean, I just look at it like Kansas City and everybody else. I think they can beat anybody else in that. So, to me, the best path for them is to be the three, um, which pretty much they need Buffalo to slip up. They've got tiebreaker you know, head to head, they have the same record, but if they can be the three and, and be geared up to like play the Steelers, you know, if they win their first game at home, I think that would be the ideal path. The Steelers are to me very wobbly right now. Um, I think they could definitely go beat them. And 
if they were the three, you know, who knows who they play. I mean, it might be, might be the Colts, which isn't ideal, I don't think. I think the Colts would be the one defense out there that, you know, with Buckner and all those, I think that has the best chance of stopping the Titans uh, enough. To me, you, you just want to avoid Kansas City. You hope someone knocks them, you hope someone bangs them up, you know, and, and wait as long as you can. And you hope you don't have to play that game until the title um, you know, so to me, like if you're the that's not because then you're that's your next stop. You know, if you win the first game, but I, I really think, you know, they they have reason other team in the AFC. They if they play their best game, like be average on defense and play their game on offense. I think they can beat everybody. I just I have real doubts about them being able to beat the Chiefs. And real quick, a follow before we get you out of here, um, if they do line up against the Chiefs, the Titans have had issues in the linebacker linebacker area all season long with injuries and everything. How do you think that Bowen and Vrabel would attack Kelsey? He's, he's, he's inching closer to becoming the, the first tight end to lead the NFL in receiving. And uh, it, he's a big part of that offense that you'd like to shut down. But how do the Titans go about doing that? <laughs> I mean, I have no clue, man. Like, because you know, like Jayon Brown is <laughs> – yeah, that's right. Yeah, you might – <laughs> you're gonna need a whole bunch of them uh yeah like jam brown would have matched up some you can match a safety bomb i mean the thing about kelsey and it's been well documented you know whenever he sees a zone he's like the best zone hole finder in the league he can run away from people he'll overpower and try to cover him with someone faster i mean so i don't know there's no answer <laughs> you know, <it's laughs> there's like, no hope you, you, yeah like you just try to hit him hard you know you try to hit him when he gets the ball um, I mean, you got to back home somehow affect him. And even if you do, you might be screwed. But like that to me is the answer is, I mean, at times, I think you have to probably gamble against them more than in any other game, even though usually when you gamble, you do it like you're less afraid of a team going over the top on you. Like you gamble against the Steelers or Colts, right? Like they'll pick you apart, nickel and dime you. But I think you have to gamble against the Chiefs because they'll still kill you anyway, you know. So you may as well. It seems like the teams like the Raiders this year, they got after Mahomes. They actually got to him. And he, and they seem to maybe affect him a little bit. I, mean, I think that's the only way. And the yeah. Titans are not built for that. I, I know we're, we're kind of putting the, the cart before the horse here a little bit. But I think the way the Titans beat the Chiefs specifically is you take the strength of the Titans, which is – Mike Vrabel's ability to manipulate the clock in ways that we've never even seen from <laughs> Belichick before. And you play that against Andy Reid's biggest or second biggest weakness behind a buffet, uh, which is <laughs> clock management. And you somehow just manipulate the clock to where the Titans have the ball for the entire first half, second <laughs> half, and the Chiefs don't have the ball at all. So... Uh, I, I, I don't I know it. how it happens, but I also don't know how Vrabel figures out these ways to manipulate the clock. So I, I'm, I'll just leave it up to him on that one. So That's a great idea. You, that, you, you defer, they score, then you have like a 25-minute drive. You get two yards, two yards, two yards. Yes. And then you get the ball and you have a 29-minute, 30-second drive and you win. There you yeah, go. That's, <laughs> <look>. that's the <laughs> formula. There it is. We figured out, we figured out how to beat the Chiefs. That, he is Joe Rexroad. Guys, follow him on Twitter, at Joe Rexroad. Check him out on The Athletic. Guys, and if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, let me just uh, 
let me give you a real quick sales pitch. It is phenomenal journalism. It's like all of the best journalism that you used to read in like the sports pages growing up, even around the country, not just in Nashville, especially in Nashville, but everywhere in the country, all of the best writers are flocking to the athletic. And Joe is one of those writers. Go check out his work at the athletic um, and give it a subscribe, make it a, a, a Christmas present for someone this year. I, I, I guarantee you having been a, a, having being an athletic subscriber, I can assure you that it is well worth the investment. So uh, definitely jump into that. Joe, thank you so much for, um, for joining us today, man. We really appreciate it. And we're going to have to get you back on uh, uh, later on down the road too. Hopefully during, uh, Absolutely. hopefully during playoff time ahead of the Titans chiefs game. So we can get more insight on how to beat them. <laughs> there you go. Right. Hey, thanks for the kind words. Uh, really. It was fun. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Joe. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. Man, wasn't that interview with Joe Rexrode awesome? I mean, just one of the most crystal clear interviews i think we've we've done all season just the i there's not one bad thing i can say about that interview squeaky clean right (laughs) and and you can't rule out the nfl maybe goodell maybe andy reed's minions potentially hacking his connection because of his profound formula to finally beat the kansas city chiefs that's what it was. Yeah, that's definitely what it was. It was it was Goodell. Like he, he he's got like Google alerts set up to where like if anyone on the internet is talking about a game plan that they have to beat the Chiefs, even if that game plan involves a lot of banana peels or something, he'll still find a way to hack into your system and manipulate your connection. No, that first of all, Joe Rexroad is awesome. And it, the, he's a lot of fun and I hate that it was disrupted just by the, the, the poor connection. Hopefully you're able to get something out of that interview. Um, uh, but he is, he, he, he's great. And it, what sucks is we, we had a great chat with him before we started recording. And then once we started recording, the internet just decided to just drop out like the, like just completely. His, his internet was like the Titans pass rush this year. Like <laughs> we thought it was going to be better than it was. And it just completely let us down. But Joe Rexrode did not let us down. We appreciate him for his time. We love and, you. Uh, it's not your fault. It's yeah. It's- so check him out at seriously and everything at the, at the athletic um, Jack last night, there was a football game and we talked about it with Joe. Um, there was uh, a, a football game between the Browns and the Ravens, and one of the two quarterbacks went poop mid-game and then came out and led his team to victory, that being uh, Lamar Jackson. Jack, I'm going to be honest with you. I watched I watched that whole game last night, and <laughs> I had no idea who to pull for. Like, In fact, the game has been over for over 24 hours now, and I still don't know who I should have been pulling for in that game because just with, with the, with the, all the different options and variables that the Titans have with teams that can win and, and, you know, can the Ravens get in the playoffs? Like they're technically still alive. And do we want to, do we want the Titans to play the Browns? Do we want them to play the Steelers? There's so many options. I, I legitimately went through that entire game 
going back and forth as to who I was cheering for, not knowing who I should be cheering for. And that's a side effect of the worst game in the world if the season ended today, right? Because you're doing math in your head. You're saying, okay, if the Ravens win, they're one back of the Browns and whoever comes in fit, whoever's that first wild card spot will probably be playing the Titans. So who do we want to play? Do we want it to be the Browns or the Ravens? Well, we beat the Ravens, but that, that rivalry is always pretty weird and fluky. You never know what could happen if we play them again. And, oh, well, the Browns kind of came in and dominated. But really, what do the Browns do with the playoffs? They, you know, they haven't done any damage in 20-something years. Yeah. And are you really afraid of Baker Mayfield? Like Joe Rexroad mentioned, it was kind of one of those games where everything went wrong. Yes. Personally, I would probably rather play the Browns than the Ravens. Just, you know, I, I agree with that. I actually agree with that. A hundred percent. I think that, you know, we, the book's out on Baker Mayfield. If you pressure him, he'll struggle. If he doesn't, or if you don't get pressure on him, he'll look good. He'll look like the Heisman winner in o- that he was at Oklahoma. Um, another team is the Colts. Where do you want the Colts to fall? That's the third whole team. That's another team you got to consider um, with their roster. I think it's very comparable to the Titans, but is Rivers the guy to beat you in the playoffs. Another thing to consider on who you're rooting for on Sundays it was a mess, uh, literally and figuratively, uh, on Monday night. <laughs> With the Browns, he, which, 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 real, just between you and me, Jack, he one hundred percent went back to poop. Right? Did you see the way he was like waddling into the into the locker room? Here, yes, it was definitely the poop jog. That was a, that was a poop walk. Yeah, here, poop jog. I have one of the most trusted poop sources in the world. I mean, a world-renowned poop expert. You, you got a poop guy. Jeff Sharks. <laughs> oh, if anyone knows poop, it's Jeff Sharks. Because it, every one of his takes is poop. So It is poop. He seems like a guy who constantly sharks himself, whether he tweets about it or not. But he had this to say, unless Lamar is taking the longest poop of all time, I think he's got cramps. He's been in the locker room for a while. Signed, someone who's had a poop attack in uniform before. Look, he didn't have to do that. We know that Jeff Shards probably had steamy right. pants more often than not on the NFL field. He didn't have to throw that in there to gain poop credibility, but he did. Lamar was in there for about 30 minutes, Austin. And it could be a couple things. It could be cramps, which I think it was. I think he got in there, got, got an IV, came back out. Because if you watch closely towards the end of the game, he kind of started his body tightened up again. Now, I don't know if he's sick with the flu or with diarrhea or whatever. But I... I trust Je- I trust Jeff Sharks. You know, wow. football takes our doo doo, like you said. Right. I, I, I yeah. I, it, 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 about pooping. If it comes to poop, I'll trust Jeff Sharks' take because I feel like yeah, yeah. I think you're right. He would know better than anyone. Yeah. My this is my theory. I think Lamar Jackson had to go because he stayed in. He stayed in. They built a 14 point lead. It was 34 to 20 when he left the game. Then he was like, "Oh crap, I gotta go." You know, maybe maybe he was like uh, Mark Sanchez back in the day and sneaking hot dogs on the sidelines. I don't know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speculate there. Regardless, he had to go, and when you gotta go, you gotta go. And Lamar Jackson went. We saw the waddle up the ramp into the locker room. Almost got almost got slammed in the face by the door. One of those assistants on his way into the locker room, but goes poop. I think. While he's pooping, he's look, Lamar Jackson is a millennial. I think he was sitting on the John on his phone, maybe catching maybe, up maybe emails, reading maybe something on himself. Maybe, you know, like Kevin maybe. Durant does, goes and searches his name on Twitter, read the sure. compliments. 
yeah, reading tweets mid game. Maybe he's maybe he's not even reading tweets. Maybe he's just playing games on his phone. You know, he's uh, I don't know, Candy Crush. Uh, what what I don't know what what popular iPhone games are are out right now. But probably playing a game. Then, as one does, trust me, I speak from experience here. I'm no Jeff Schwartz uh, expert, <laughs> but I can speak from experience. If you're on your phone for too long, sitting on the John, those legs will fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And so to me, I think Lamar Jackson's legs then fell asleep. Then he, then he, you know, and once those legs fall asleep, you're not standing up right away. You're sitting down for longer than you even intended. There isn't a and, set timeline when you're asleep or when your legs fall asleep, right? Like, no, it could, it could be anywhere from three minutes to regain feeling to, uh, you know, 15 minutes. Yeah. It one time it took me five days. It took me five. To, I sat on the toilet for so long. I lost. I lost feeling in my legs for five days. They were asleep that long. So maybe that's what. And so, so Lamar Jackson's in the background, like. And it's even hard. I'll be honest. It's hard to wipe when your legs are asleep because you have nothing. To, you don't know if you're leaning on your legs when you're, you know, like, when you're propped up. Sorry, I'm. I'm probably getting a little too much detail here, but. So then he probably had to get like a, uh, uh, you know, a graduate assistant or, you know, whatever they are, the, the, the intern, intern the, the, the intern, yeah, to get an intern to rub out his legs. And then that took him. So I'm, I'm saying probably 20, 25 minutes on the toilet, five minutes to regain feeling in the legs. And then he's back out on the field Okay. because I, and honestly, I don't know how else you explain how long he was out. Yeah. So here's my thinking, and then we'll we'll leave poop talk, you know, back to Jeff Schwartz, the experts. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> and let's not let's not forget Adam Rank. Adam Rank just as equally hated on this podcast as Jeff Schwartz. Uh, Adam, I think I think Adam Rank. I think Jeff Schwartz pooped out Adam Rank. That's what oh, I think. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so this is where I'm coming from. Lamar Jackson does everything fast, right? He's a fast runner. Mm-hmm. He he drives cars fast, probably. Um, uh, he's probably a fast typer. Sure. Uh, yeah. Mavis speaking. So uh, I'm thinking that I'm thinking that Lamar Jackson might be one of the quickest shits in the NFL. <laughs> I think he's just one of those guys that does everything at a hundred miles an hour, whether it's typing, Wait. running, um, you know, Instagram living, um, shitting. I, I think he does everything very quickly. And I, that's why I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm on Jeff Schartz's side. I think he had cramps. What do you think uh, Lamar Jackson's farty time is? <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. That's uh, <laughs> pretty good. I don't know. It's got to be sub. It's it's. I don't know. What would you say it would be? He's, it's kind of like he's he's gone in a dash. You know, like a, a, a silent but deadly almost farty time. Yeah, I think he's a. I think he's a two-two farty time. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, real quick before we move on from Browns Ravens. Uh, but yeah, no. Oh, and I, I don't even, I don't think I got this point across, but I, I agree with you. I, I would much rather play the Browns and the Steelers than I would the Ravens or the Colts. That's just me. And, and throw the bills in there too. Yeah. It, it, honestly, I think the best chance for the Titans in the first round would be the Browns or the Steelers. I think you can, I think you definitely can be, because if you think back to both of those games, you lost that those games in the first half. You played terrible things in the Steelers game. You couldn't have had a worst first half in, against the Steelers. Same thing with the Browns. It was just as everything that was bad went bad. I think you get another shot at them. I think, you know, as long as you don't, 
you know, <laughs> shit the bed again, <laughs> for lack of a better term, in the first half, I think you you have a better chance. So that's that's what I'm rooting for. Who do I need to win to get there? And what do we need to play out? I have no idea. Honestly, I, it's so confusing. This is, it, this is what I want. I want the Titans to line up with the Steelers. Now, that's probably going to have to happen in a 2-3 in a situation, right? Where two seeds and three seeds will play each other to go to the AFC Championship game. Yeah. And... If, what I mean, okay, so that that would make the Titans play either the second or or no no either the thir- the second or third wild card team, okay. And yes. so I, I think that if the Titans finish third, which is probably the most likely scenario, if they finish in those to- the, the two to three spot, then they would play. You know, they'd have to beat either the Colts, Ravens, or Browns, likely, and that would give the opportunity for the Steelers to lose to the last place wildcard team. Okay. And then you would essentially have two games uh, of wildcard opponents before you you gear up for the Chiefs or the Bills. Yeah. I also want to play the the Chiefs at as late as possible. Or or win in the ever. AFC Championship yeah. again. Like I don't want I don't want to play the Chiefs at all, especially the Chiefs coming off of a bye in the playoffs. I really don't want that. Um the uh I before we move on from rounds Ravens, I, I got to say this. I got to respect to Justin Tucker, uh, not just for being a good kicker and probably the best kicker in football right now and going against Cody Parkey and completely owning that battle. Cody Parkey, I love seeing him miss kicks again. because I would sell limbs to have a Justin Tucker on the Titans. Uh, same. I would too. I would sell your limbs for a Justin <laughs> Tucker on the Titans as well. But uh, I, I want to give him a shout out for being a good kicker without having some insane Italian or foreign name that ends in a vowel, <laughs> you know, like the Goskowski's, the Venet, uh, uh, the Giorgio Tavecchio, the Venetaries, Venetaries, the Janikowski's, the Grammaticas, like literally all great kickers in NFL history have like some weird vowel at the end of their name. Justin Tucker's just Justin Tucker. And I, I give mad respect to him for that. Cause that is, you know, it, it, if he wanted to be an insanely great kicker, he would have been Justin Tucker Neo, you know, but he's not. He's yeah. just Justin Tucker. And I I appreciate that as a guy who, you know, I don't know if you call us sports media if you want to. I mean, we're just two dudes with a podcast. But like if that's as someone who has to talk about sports regularly, I appreciate Justin Tucker for having a simple name. Justin Tusker- Tuckerski. <laughs> Tuskerski. Tuskerski. <laughs> Tuskerski. Uh, hey, Got to do remember the Titan every week. We, we bring up a Titan of old and we just say, Hey, remember that guy. Um, so Jack, why don't you go ahead and get us started this week? Who's your remember the Titan? Okay. So I want to preface this by saying we're on our 41st episode and <laughs> we've remembered about 82 Titans. Okay. You know, I was wondering when this was going to come up the, this, like the, the disclaimer of like, look guys, this is harder to remember Titans than you realize. <laughs> Like there's a lot of them, but there's a lot of obvious ones. And the ones who are obscure are like super obscure. And that's where I'm going this week. Okay. Jordan Babineau. Do you remember him? Oh, I love, love me some Jordan Babineau. And however you think Jordan Babineau spells his last name, it's wrong. (laughs) Because it's very very Louisiana-ish. Very Louisiana-ish. It's, there's an, it's, he ends it in the, is it the E-A-U-X? E-A-U-X. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
That's how you end the spelling in his bet. Don't ask me how to spell the first part. I don't know. It's too much. So Jordan Babineau was a strong safety uh, in the for the Titans in 2011, 2012. He was originally a Seattle Seahawk. He was an undrafted free agent. He played in limited roles with them before joining the Titans, where he obviously comes to a, a worse team and takes on a much larger role, as this happens to bad teams all the time and free agents. Um, he starts 26 games in two years, but his biggest play came in 2011. 97-yard pick six against the Browns. Highlight of his career. I think I think you could go and ask Jordan, you know, what, what's the biggest play of the year? Oh, 97-yard pick six against the Browns. Um, <laughs> so, so, look, Jordan Babineau of Central Arkansas, or Southern Arkansas, excuse me, of all the directional Arkansas schools, how could I forget Southern Arkansas? Um that's going to be my remember the Titan, and that really should kind of outline how thin. Look, we are more thin at remember the Titan than the Titans are at edge rusher right now. <laughs> yeah, there's, you know, it, this would be so much easier if this was the uh, the Chiefs Kingdom podcast or <laughs> the uh, the the Go Pack Go Pod. But no, this is the Titan Up pod. We only have 20 years worth of history to pull from. And as you said, there are a lot of guys, like I would say most Titans more than not are memorable. And the whole point of this segment is to pull the, like the ones where you're like, oh yeah, I completely forgot that dude was a Titan. Yeah, the Jason Babbins, the the Akeem Ayers, the, right. the Antoine Odoms, you know, those the, are the Fred Jr. Miller Jr. You know? Yes. No matter how painful their memories are, you do remember them. Right. So I, and I, 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 and I knew we were going to get here. I just didn't think it would only be 41 episodes in before we did. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's difficult. Hey, and if you, as always, if you ever remember the Titan, send them to us at Titan up pod on Twitter at Titan up podcast on Instagram, however you want to do it, just send us your remember Titan. Uh, and we'll like, we'll give you like a thumbs up or a retweet or something because, uh, we always love hearing the random, the random ass remember the Titans from back in the day. It's always just a fun game. It's just a fun game to play. And that's why we do it in every episode. My remember the Titan this week, Antoine Dion Odom. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I'm sorry. I kind of, I kind of spoiled that there earlier, but I, I think he should be, I think he should be, uh, I, I kind of wish his last name was Odon. So then he could be Antoine Dion Odon. Um, Something I'm just a villain's name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Antoine Odom guys. He is, uh, he was selected in the second round of the 2004 NFL draft 57th overall in the third pick by the Tennessee Titans. He played four seasons with the Titans. Um, came out of the university of Alabama. As I said, he, um, in on April 14th, 2010, he was selected to University of Alabama's team of the decade, which is great. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. It's a great accomplishment, especially at Alabama, mm-hmm. school like that. But you got to also remember that this is 2010, so he was being considered for the decade of 2000 to 2010. Ooh, those memories are not as fond. Not great Alabama teams in 2000 to 2010. That was, in fact, pretty... There were some pretty bad teams, uh, Alabama teams back then. If you... If you're if you're young, 
you may not remember Alabama ever being bad, but there was a time where before Nick Saban, Alabama was pretty laughable. The they were tide, like, yeah, the tide was not rolling. They were doing somersaults. They were like Tennessee is now no offense, Tennessee. I'm oh, just saying, but like, at the same time, some offense, Tennessee. Well, a little bit of offense, Tennessee, but, <laughs> but Hey, look at it this way, Tennessee. Uh, you keep, if you keep painting the rock enough times, then maybe <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt will get fired and then you'll bring in your Nick Saban and then have a decade worth of dominance. You never know it, it, things can change in an instant, but Antoine Odom, uh, eight sacks in the 2007 season. Oh second only, That's second only Titans have this year. I know. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to have just one guy with eight sacks? I don't care if anyone else has a sack. Just give me one guy. With eight Landry sacks. has the most with four and a half right now. Oh, eight so sacks? That sounds like almost impossible. And to think Javon Curse had what 16, 17 in his rookie season. found a way to get 12 and a half, but <laughs> I'll stop with gosh. the I just miss I look, and maybe we're giving Mike Keith a rest on his vocal cords this year, but I just miss him yelling out sack multiple times a day. Do, do the Titans let me ask this. Do the Titans have something against the second harvest food bank? Uh because isn't oh. with every sack they donate uh, Kroger donates a hundred dollars. That's a bad look on the Titans. The Titans aren't as charitable as we once thought they were. Wow. I think we just unearthed something. Titans really hate the second harvest food bank. That is something that is uh, look, that's a great discovery. Something to think about great for the second harvest food bank, who I'm sure is struggling to even find boxes of Kraft Mac and cheese after what the Titans have put them through this year. (laughs) I'm just, yeah, man, that's, uh, makes it makes you think, you know, really makes you think. Uh, Antoine Odom, eight sacks, 2007 season, second only to Kyle Vandenbosch. And two of those sacks that year helped the Titans defeat the Colts in week 17 and make the playoffs for the first time since the 2003 season. If you remember, there was a point between 2003, well, I guess 2004, 2005, 2006, it was a rough stretch. They were losing a lot of games the titans were and they just weren't they weren't great there was a it was it was like our first taste of bad titans teams and they finally got back on track 2007 then 2008 uh and 2009 um but antoine odom was a big part of that and I, i know what you're wondering you're like all right austin blah 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 he he racked up a lot of sacks in 2007 we want to know what he does in his spare time that's well, what I was going to ask. And I'm glad I, I knew you were. And I'm going to tell you, he enjoys fishing and hunting. Um, he is also a NASCAR racing and pro wrestling enthusiast. That is insane. Bernard Pollard. We had him on. He's the same way. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about former Titans defensive grades, but uh, they love their NASCAR uh, and pro wrestling. Odom earned a degree in human environment environmental studies upon completing his coursework at the university of Alabama. Oh, and here's something that I completely forgot about Antoine Odom. August 22nd, 2011 was shot in the leg at his home in Irvington. <laughs> it's not funny to be shot, but it's kind no. of funny now that it's like 10 years old and he lives. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. He's fine now. I'm sure. And maybe he walks with a little bit of a limp. I don't know. I haven't seen him. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's, he's the Titans own Plaxico Burris, I guess, uh, minus the club and sweatpants. He, um, Antoine Odom was arrested December 15th, 2011. So just a few months later for possession of marijuana after a traffic stop in Baldwin County, Alabama. 
which Baldwin County, Alabama. That's where your parents say, "Hey, look, I know you're going out tonight, but stay away from Baldwin, Alabama, for a bad thing to happen." Yeah, this is news to me that marijuana possession was even illegal in Baldwin County, Alabama. In fact, I I, I just assumed like when cops pulled you over. They would say license, registration, and your bag of pot, please. Like, I need proof <laughs> that you're a resident in Baldwin County, Alabama. Uh, he was released later in the day after posting a thousand dollar bail. Thousand dollars. That doesn't seem like yeah, that's a slap on the wrist if I've ever yeah, heard. It's like it's two PlayStation fives. Uh, all right, that's gonna do it for uh, remember the Titan, Austin. I think we un- uncovered something with your uh, remember the Titan. And we know that John Robinson listens to this podcast all the way through every week. So, uh-huh. John, when you're listening and you hear these words, please do not, you, please, please, please take them seriously. Next time you're at the combine interviewing players that are draft prospects that you're thinking about drafting, yeah, on the defensive line in a year where you might just have to take a defensive, a defensive end, an edge rusher, with your first round pick. Make sure the first question you ask them is, "What's your stance on NASCAR?" Okay. <laughs> if they say, "Man, I don't really like NASCAR," cross them off. Nope. Move on. Not for us. That's not. They we don't want. You don't fit our culture here. You know what? I don't really like t- NASCAR, but I that that, that Denny Hamlin, he kind of he kind of speaks my language. So, oh, I'm, okay, potential NASCAR check. I mean, we saw it in in Vrabel's basement uh, during the draft. Doesn't he have a few of those NASCAR racing games down there? Oh yeah. Look, uh, maybe this is a common trend. We, look, we're gonna have to take note of this and maybe do a little more digging. We're going to have to take, maybe we get Javon curse on here, ask him about NASCAR. I think that's going to be my next question to all defensive ends that we have. Right. And John, since you are listening, uh, also don't take a defensive edge rusher in the first round, take one in the second round. That seems to be where take your best in the player first and second round. Well, yeah, but the first, the first round draft pick is not going to pan out. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> the- the Titans first round draft picks don't tend to pan out, but the second round draft picks, that one's going to be a freaking head turner. That's going to be the one that, that takes you to hoist the Lombardi for Derek this franchise. Henry, AJ Brown, the list goes on. That's two of them. Christian yeah. Wilson. Yeah. There's, there's a whole list. I, I don't, I don't want to pull them up all right now. A Dory Jackson. I think he was second round. Let's talk about uh, the Lions, Austin. Let's, what do you think about that? Because they're next on the schedule and it's a game where the Titans must win, right? It is, yeah, well, yes, because the Colts are nipping at your heels. I, if you want to win the South, you have to you have to look at the next three games as must-wins because the Colts are not giving you any ground. Uh, to thanks, uh, No thanks to the freaking Las Vegas Raiders. Ah, uh, gosh, you guys suck. They, really, uh, they spiraled out of control here the last couple of weeks. They did, um, which to... Did the Titans play the Raiders this year? No. How did the Colts play the Raiders and without the, not the so, Titans? So I, I'm not sure exactly, but I believe. Oh, is it? Oh, it's your. Oh, you match up with someone in another division yeah. based off of where you're. Okay, it's, that makes sense. Because the Titans played. They played the Broncos. Titans the, played the Broncos. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The, okay. Played the AFC. Um. What, what did they? Who did they play? It was the AFC. AFC West. Is it the AFC West? Oh, you mean like oh, the AFC North? They had played the AFC North. Yeah, right. They played the AFC North all the way through, and then the AFC South matches with the AFC West based off of where you're ranked. Correct. So the Texans had the, I think that's why the Texans had the Chiefs, right? Yes. Yeah, 
because they both won. Okay, that makes sense. All right, sorry. Sorry, guys. We're just hashing out things live think, on yeah, Things through. But yeah. when, it come, when it comes to the Lions, you have to win not only because of the Colts, but because of who the Lions might be missing. Okay, Kenny yeah. Galladay, DeAndre Swift, Matthew Stafford, Jeff Okuda, all of these key players for Detroit, their, their status is in question, if not in doubt, when you look at Matthew Stafford and out when you're talking about Jeff Okuda, their first-round draft pick cornerback. Um, since the Titans moved to Tennessee, they haven't lost to Detroit. They're 5-0. and Ooh, Knock on wood, knock on wood. And they've had some games that that smoked all the drugs in Oregon, okay? And that the, la- the last one that they had that did this was probably the 2012 game where the Titans won an OT, 44-41, to where anything that could go wrong went wrong. But also in route to victory, the Titans were the first team in, the, in, in NFL history to score five touchdowns of over 60 yards. It was the game. It was the game that was drunk off its ass. Where yeah, if if you follow if you follow this podcast on Instagram uh, and Twitter, we posted uh, a highlight of Nate Washington going up and over the back of I think two Lions defenders for, for seventy-one yards, and that was just one of them. There, that was just one of them. That was Darius like, that whole Ray game Nod, was like that. Darius Ray Nodran, one hundred five yard kickback. Tommy Campbell on the reverse punt return. Took one Ooh. to the house. Hey, write these names down. These are great. Remember the time. Jared Cook for, for 61 yards on a pass from Locker. Yeah. Yeah. Let that be a note. Jake Locker. This was the Jake Locker game, uh, Titans, and they won. So how about that? And then you had Altron Werner pick up a fumble and go 71 yards. I think yeah. The game was insane. And But they, the Titans have, they, look, they've got good history against the Lions. And without it, Matt Stafford, there's no reason why they should lose. If Stafford's out, which is he a hundred percent out? I don't think he's no. Uh, and Stafford, look, Stafford's a cu- tough little cookie, right? But it's but it's un it's unlikely he plays, but it's it's, it's not confirmed out. fully. Doubtful to play, but Stafford's tough, and he's a competitor. And even though they don't have a shot at the playoffs, it's a pride. It could be a pride thing for Stafford, where sure. he will literally have to be pulled off of the field before he he says, "Hey, look, I'm not going and out there this week." I don't know if you know this or not, but. Uh, Matthew Stafford's center in high school was Clayton Kershaw, too. Not enough people uh, talk about that. And didn't also, didn't Stafford catch for Kershaw? Was that a thing? Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Yes. And also, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick went to Harvard. Um, <laughs> oh, and Anthony Ferkser, too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Antonio Gates uh, played basketball. Oh my so wow. there's some fun facts for you guys. The facts that you'll only get here on the Titan up podcast. If chase Daniel starts this game, the Titans have to win. Have to. There's no, and I say that as a, as a Mizzou fan, uh, as a Mizzou guy, I love chase Daniel. Everyone, every, in fact, if you are a Mizzou fan, you, you have to love chase Daniel. It's a rule. It's one of the laws. And to a former teammate of mine, not to brag, uh, chase did, Daniel. What, what, what was the weird thing he did in the locker room? Um, he wore, he would wear like jewelry. I'm, I'm pretty sure he would wear like a necklace into the shower. If I remember correctly, mm, that's bad. Yeah. Etiquette. That's bad etiquette. Yeah. I, I understand it. Like, you know, if like you're a white guy on a division one football team, you, you, you try and you do some weird things to try and fit in. Um, but you, you, but you also in doing so stick out like a sore thumb. So, um, but, right. uh, but yeah, I and that's I'm not I hoping for I, I should I shouldn't say the words sore thumb while talking about Chase Daniel naked in the shower. Um yeah. I Chase Daniel is he's living out the life of every sports fan's dream because he's a made man in college. Literally, he will never have to buy a beer in Columbia ever again. Then he goes on to the pros, 
wins a Super Bowl in his, I think his second year with the Saints. He's been a backup this whole time. Uh, Jack, I believe you told me before the podcast, we'll have made, once his contract runs out, we'll have made 50, just south of $50 million in his career. Yeah, in between 40 and $50 million when his contract's up in 2023, which is bonkers. He's done football so perfectly correct. It's insane. Yeah. Hasn't taken any big-time NFL hits. Okay, you're right. protected. You sit back there. All you have to do is know the playbook and be able to practice. Not not going to have CTE when his playing days are over. Could very well go the analyst route if he wants because he'll be able to remember things. And playing um, in so many offenses with so many different people, you know, he has he has that experience that you need. But he, with that being said, he's going to be thrown in the fire this week, right? Yeah. And it's a Titans defense who, as a quarterback, a backup quarterback, it's probably on your short list of defenses you wouldn't mind getting thrown in the fire against, right? Because you're not going to have anybody breathing down your neck in the backfield. Yeah, you want to talk about not getting hit. He, uh-huh. he had a better chance of getting hit on the sidelines for the Lions than he will under center <laughs> for the Lions this week. Oh, yeah. And once again, I'm sorry. It's hey, look, we only crying. Jack and I only make jokes because it, it keeps us from crying about this pass rush and how bad it is. Um I yeah, I think the Titans need to they definitely need to win this game just because of the trajectory of the season and, and where we're going and playing off of continuing the momentum you built really since halftime of the Browns game. You've had momentum since halftime of the Browns game. You played it through this past Sunday against the Jaguars, completely dominated from start to finish. I think you need to continue that momentum and keep it going into Green Bay week the following week. And I'm not saying this is a look-past game at all. I'm just saying I think you need to you come out and play hard. I will say this. Bad news, though, Jack. Uh-oh. Really bad news. Oh, no. You might want to sit down for this one. I'm sitting down. I've been sitting down for hours. That's true. We've both been sitting down this whole podcast. But if you're listening at home, you might want to sit down for this. If you're listening in your car, maybe you want to pull over to the side of the road. Really, really devastating news for the oh outlook for the Titans season. Please don't be Malcolm Butler. Please don't be Derrick Henry. Is it one of those guys? No, uh, but dare I say it's worse. Oh, my God. Tannehill? <sighs> Even worse. Who could be worse than Tannehill? Jeffrey Simmons? The Titans, Titans made a move to injured reserve. Oh, God. Not Brett Kern again. Nope. Even worse. Well, Tazar Skipper. Tazar Skipper? Tazar Skipper has been oh. placed on injured reserve. Damn. Just right when you think you, you're done with the injury monsoon, here comes another one. Outside linebacker Tazar Skipper. Uh, and I know, I know. look, there's probably little children listening to this podcast wearing their Tazar Skipper jerseys right now. And to you, I say, look, I am sorry. But it's going to be at least three weeks before he comes back. <laughs> Being on injured reserve. I don't know how this, I don't even know if he'll be eligible for the playoffs. I would hope so because someone's going to need to spy Patrick Mahomes if they play the Chiefs. That's the reason why Tazar Skipper was brought in as an undrafted free agent is because he will be needed to defend Patrick Mahomes. I mean, just when you thought this pass rush couldn't get any worse, Tazar Skipper just goes on the IR. You know, and just completely, you know, sometimes I feel like Tazar Skipper gets a little selfish. Um, just, you know, looking out for himself and the injuries that he has uh, amassed. Yeah. Very clowny-like. It's like, dude, just 
you know, rub some dirt on it and play through it. This is this is a time where the team needs Tazar Skipper more than Tazar Skipper needs rest. Look, it's one of those guys where you expect your best players to play through injuries. And Tazar Skipper, he's put himself first. He's put him health put it his health before the team. More like Tazar uh, selfish. Tazar Skipper of games. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how uh, to get past this. Um and before we get out of here, I will note that that move opened up the ability for Christian Fulton to join okay. the uh, the roster. So that's, that's <laughs> so. an okay trade off. Silver lining, I guess the uh, the Tazar silver lining. Um, so yeah, hopefully Christian Fulton is back at practice. And if you're wondering if Adore Jackson's coming back this week, uh, no, I wouldn't <laughs> expect Adore Jackson back until 2024. At this point, <laughs> with the way things are trending, it's not looking good. Uh, hey. Guys, follow at Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram. Follow at Tighten Up Pod on Twitter. Interact with us. We love you guys. We really do. You guys are fantastic podcast audience because you take what we talk about on this pod and you bring it over to Twitter and we interact with you guys. And it's been it's been fun. It's been fun getting to know you guys, at least through your little Twitter AVIs. <laughs> and then allowing us to make judgment calls about what you're like in real life, uh, just based off of your little images. But it's keep Abby. them coming. You say Twitter AVIs? I thought it was just yeah. Abby, like short for Avatar. Avi? Oh, I, I, I thought it was You may or might have just changed the way I look at things. I think it's AVI. A... All right, hold on. You close us out. Tell them about A to Z Sports and why they need to follow. Guys, go follow A to Z Sports at A to Z Sports on Twitter and Instagram. A to Z Sports Nashville on Facebook. Now is the time where content is being pumped out like no other. You have great writers, Luke Worsham, Buck Rising, Zach Reagan for the Vols. Um, You've got Chris Clark who covers the Titans. I do some Titan stuff. Um, we got Vanderbilt. We got the Grizzlies coming on. I'll be handling some of that as well. But now you have to go follow A to Z Sports. We, we really, I don't want to brag on us, but we have you covered in and out of every single, of every single sport team. The Predators as well. Alex Doherty does a great job. Look, you just go to follow A to Z Sports so I can stop stumbling and let Austin Huff close this out with the yeah. right way to pronounce Twitter. I think, I think you might be, I think I might be wrong. I think you might be right. I think it's Avi. I've been calling an AVI, like is your profile picture. Uh, you're also called your avatar or AVI, the personal That's image it. uploaded to your Twitter profile in your settings tab of your account. So I don't know if it's Avi or if it's AVI. Maybe it's one of those GIF, GIF type things. Yeah. We'll need, to get, the, what it is, yeah. We'll need to get the inventor of the AVI or the Avi to tell us how it's really pronounced. We'll put out a poll on Wednesday afternoon. Okay. Yes, and that will yes. be the ultimate decider how we'll refer to it from here. Yes. Guys, vote for AVI. <laughs> and leave us a comment why you voted. Yes, yes. Why you think it is what it is. Guys, you're the best. Hey, let's go beat the Lions. It's Lions Hate Week. Uh, I just made that up this week. And I uh, hope uh, we all, they, I hope they suck and the Titans win. Uh, Jack, do you have anything for the road? Nope, but I'm predicting a special teams touchdown in honor of the great Tommy Campbell and Darius Reynolds. Is that the my best bet? Hell no. Okay. <laughs> I get called back. Ah, you really, really feel confident in your pick, then I guess. I get called back from one of the 19 holding penalties the Titans get called for. But... <laughs> All right, that's gonna do it uh, for this week, I guess. Uh, until next week, 
tighten up. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the Tennessee Titans. They'll keep on fighting all the way. 